for the word this morning. Hallelujah. We're going to, this will be the last part for this time of the series we've been preaching on freedom. And, and I hope that it's been making a change in your mindset because I want every saint to know, listen, years ago when I had an opportunity to speak with T.L. Osborne, Dr. Osborne told me when I asked him, I said, what's the most important message for the church? Without even hesitating, he turned around and many of you have heard this before, but you're going to hear it again. He said, tell them who they are. They do not know who they are. And I've discovered over the years that much of the church, if not most of the church, labors underneath a sense of false identity, believing themselves to be something God has neither called them nor labeled them, nor ordained them to be. They live far below what God has created and placed for them in their redemptive realities. Because many times we seek to pacify people rather than please God. And I want you to know by aspiring to be all that God has called you to be, that does not displease him. God is pleased with courageous faith. He is pleased with those who say, it doesn't matter how old I am. It doesn't matter what my race is. It doesn't matter what my gender is. If that be my mountain, give me my mountain. Because it ain't about being 80 years old. It ain't about being a female. It ain't about all my hardships. It ain't about all the mistakes I've made. God gave me that mountain. And y'all best get out of my way because I will elbow you to get to my mountain. Because I'm taking my mountain. And if God called us to freedom, we ought never to settle for anything else. We ought to aspire to complete freedom. And being free does not make you arrogant. It makes you confident. Amen? And it really shows that you and I appreciate what Christ died to give us. Because the Bible says that he, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. And so if he wants us to be free, I aspire to freedom. And it doesn't matter if there's naysayers. It doesn't matter if people will tell me about the limitations and the boundaries and the borders, you know. And there's always people that are more than willing to point out to you where the limitations of life are. Can I encourage you to say to them in the words of the great prophet, shut up. Because I'm pressing on to greater things in God. And if that's what Christ wants me to have, I'm going to have it no matter what you think about it. Hmm? So last week we, we attempted to get through the sermon and I almost succeeded, but I didn't quite succeed. And so I want to just finish up last week's and then I'll go real quick through this week's. That's a faith statement, not necessarily a promise. But if you would, Sister Fowler, put up on the screen Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Where the Bible says, what then shall we say to these things? And these things are all the things that the Apostle Paul dealt with in the previous eight chapters. From Romans 1 all the way through, where Paul is drawing a contrast between what we experience in the natural and what God has ordained for us in the spirit, right? We all know that there's hardships, there's battles, there's things to overcome, there's persecutions in life. And, and Paul said, what shall we say to these things? The first thing I want you to know is these things are always external. I'm going to say that again. These things are always external. 
And what Paul is saying is this. What shall we say to these external things that rise up to remind us of our failures and our sins and tell us where the boundaries of life are? If God is for us, who is against us? This is what Paul is saying. This is, to all of those things that rise up, you should tell them God is for me. It doesn't matter what I've been through. It doesn't matter what you think of me. It doesn't matter how many mistakes I've made. God is for me. And if God is for me, then who can successfully be against me? The foundation of it is God is for me. Everyone say this. Let's say, let's just say it together, right? Because you just need to hear yourself say it. God, God is, is for me. God ain't against you. God is for you. God ain't seeking to keep you down and out. God died to bring you up and in. So you need to understand that the one putting the boundaries on you and the borders on you and the limitations on you is not him. And if it's not him, then why are you giving in to those who are trying to do it? God is for you. And that means our everlasting, eternal friend is working all things together for our good and that he has committed himself, now hear me, both in time and eternity. He has committed himself to our wholeness, our happiness, and our increase. An eternal friend is working on your behalf and he is working to set you free from everything. And last week, what we were talking about is condemnation. Let's keep reading, okay? Verse 32, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely, there's that word again, freely, give us some things. You know what that word all means? I went to Bible school to learn this. Paid tuition to learn this. All means, y'all must have went to the same Bible school. All means everything, the full extent, from the north boundary to the south boundary, from the east to the west, and everything contained within the kingdom. Because the Bible says that it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. And everything within the kingdom is that all. So if you ever wondered, does God want me to have it? Is it all? Freely, give us all things. If he did not spare his own son, why do you think? See, I've always wondered about this. While we were his enemies, had animosity against God in our minds, he sent his only son to die. Right? So while we weren't even part of his family, he sent his son to die. And yet somehow we allow twisted, warped religious people to teach us now that we're his sons and daughters in Christ, now he's going to withhold from us. I don't get it. I really don't get it. You mean he's going he's to freely give me Jesus and then he's going to withhold rent money. No, no. He's going to give me Jesus and then he's going to not feed my babies. What kind of twisted mindset comes up with that doctrine? That's not God. And it's not who he called you to be. If he did not withhold his only son, 
He's not going to withhold any good thing from you. And freedom's a good thing, and I'm trying to get there. So quit making me chase rabbits. Verse 33, who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Who is the one that tells you you're unworthy, that you're undeserving? Who is it? Why are you listening to him? And if it's you condemning yourself, underselling yourself, are you greater than God? God justified you. God made you the very righteousness of God in Christ. So why are you looking in the mirror hating on the one God died for? Where's the honor in that? There's no honor in that. There's no faith in that. Faith is, see, the problem we have with this is a lot of us just don't even know who we are because we've allowed other people to label us and identify us. And the only one who's qualified to identify us and label us, we've ignored what he said. And we've heard what they said. And they can only say things based upon their own built-in pre-prejudices and what they know of your history. Do not allow a contaminated history to cause you to forfeit a divine destiny. Your tainted history is no reason to give up on your destiny. That's what grace is for. Grace that is amazing covers all of your mistakes. Grace that is amazing comes in and says it doesn't matter what you did because of what he did. His grace is more than enough. It's sufficient to give you a future and to give you a hope. You know, while, while we're journeying into God, I got to hurry up because I do got a sermon. While we're journeying into God, we've got to understand there's a parallel track taking place. When you're, un, when you're uncovering who God is through the scriptures and you're discovering that he's not the God that, the, that they said he was, he's a good God all the time and he does all these wonderful things and he's totally committed to your wholeness. And as you discover who your father is, the parallel track is that your father reveals who you are. Because you can't know who God is without changing the understanding of who you are. Because the Bible says it's in him that we live, in him that we move, and in him that we have our being. I want to word that another way. It's in him that we have our sense of identity. So as we know who he is, he reveals who we are, and you're much more than who they said you were. He can't be one thing and you be something else. Because you're tied up, bound up, wrapped up in him. In the spirit, you know you look just like Jesus. You're recreated in his image. If we could peel off that, faith, that flesh suit of yours, you would look just like him. And the whole journey of faith is to make that which is internal, external, so that one day we can say like our master did, if you've seen me, you've seen him. Because all of the things that were tainted about me, I've divorced myself from them, and now I am even as he is in this present world. Well, you know that you'll never be all of that in this life. Oh, please. What Bible be thou reading? Because the Bible that I read makes it plain it's in this life. 
that I'm just like him. And then the, the, the thing about the faith is, and you've heard me say it, the, 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 the objective of faith is to make his truth my reality. Amen? So as we undercover that, that he is our redeemer, then we are the redeemed. And if he's my provider, how can I be poor and he's my provider? When I have the revelation that he's the provider, then my days of poverty are gone. How can he be my healer and I be the diseased one? You understand what I'm saying? As I uncover who he is, it elevates me to be like him. Hmm. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Oh, it's going to irritate some people when you declare who you are. When they call you poor and you look at them in love and say, shut up, idiot. I don't know who you be talking to, but I ain't poor. Well, you ain't got no money. I'm blessed of the Lord. So it's only it's only a matter of time till money shows up at my door. Well, you know, it's so sad that you're dying of disease. I ain't dying of disease. But, but the doctor said, no, 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 no. It ain't about what the doctor did do. Whose report you going to believe? The doctor said this, but the Bible says by his stripes, I am healed. So I'm not the dying of disease. I'm the healed of the Lord. Because when I uncover who he is, it reveals to me who I am. And the more I discover about him, the more I uncover about myself. And I realize that my whole life, most of my struggles were a struggle because of living under a false identity. Mm. Who is the one who condemns, makes you feel less than, inferior to, underselling or unworthy? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather he who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. So who will separate us from the love of Christ? And you see, this is the very thing condemnation is seeking to do. To separate you from the love of Christ so you don't feel worthy of being loved. Divorce yourself from that condemnation. Just let it go. You're not condemned. Oh, pastor, you don't know what I've... You know, when I preach like this, I've heard people say before, well, you know, the Bible says you ought not to think more highly of yourself than you ought. And I always want to say, why don't you uh, finish the verse? Think about yourself according to the faith that's in you. And Paul starts out that very verse by talking about grace. So what he's saying is you ought not to think you're all of that in the flesh. But you ought to think about yourself in accordance with faith that comes by grace. So if I'm thinking about myself in agreement with faith, then it's not thinking more highly of myself than I ought. It's thinking of myself exactly as God would have me think of me. Because I'm not thinking about what I've done in the flesh. In fact, I don't want to think about that. But I do want to think about myself. I want to see myself in that mirror of the word and faith giving birth to a brand new image in me so that I know I'm worthy through him of achieving greater things in life. Hallelujah, Father. Will tribulations or distress or persecution? How about famine? What about nakedness? How about peril or the sword? 
Just as, just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Because of that, there's no more condemnation. The only problem we're facing is we have to relearn who we are. Amen. So having said that, let's go ahead and jump into today's message. Talking about freedom. Are we willing to fight to be free? I shared with you last week that in the wilderness, which is the place that we retrain our mindset, there were no fights, at least not external. They didn't fight any of the ites. All of their fights were internal as they were retraining themselves to stop thinking like a slave, learn that God is true to his word, so that when they came into the land of freedom, they know that everything God said about them is true. You realize the thing that really shut the door on them was their self-declaration? Their self-declaration. When they sent in the spies, the spies came out and said, we are as grasshoppers. Search the Bible all you want. You'll never, got, you'll never find where God said, ye be grasshoppers. They said that of themselves. And because they thought lowly of themselves, I've heard people say, well, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Well, then you don't know grace. Well, you know, I'm just a worm. Said who? Who said that? Who said that? Why do we believe? Remember when Adam, is this okay? When Adam was hiding in the garden from God, and when he came out, he said, I was naked, so I was afraid. I was ashamed of my nakedness, so I hid from you. And God asked him an amazing question. God never said, you're not naked. God said, who told you that? Who told you you had something to be ashamed of? Who told you you had a reason to be afraid of me? Who told you you ought to hold things in check and hold things back? Who told you you ought not to come running into the arms of your father? Who told you that? See, every one of us, as we go through life, we've had people tell us things that we spend years trying, sometimes without success, to get free. Because the only thing that's going to set you free from all those words that they, of death that they spoke over you is the grace of the living God. You've got to learn to believe that you are who he made you to be, that you are who he died that you might be, and never settle for anything else. Don't let them be with you. Don't let them fool you. Don't let I don't know about you, but I'm tired of living a, living a limited life in order to please limited men who have limited God. I want to break free and be free and see life filled with opportunities, not impossibilities. When we drive by something and my wife points at it, why should I say, well, that's impossible? Huh? Why? If God, be, if God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and all the silver is his and all the gold is his and the earth itself is his and he said he'll withhold nothing from you, then why should we see things as impossible and why should we get upset when somebody else gets it? You know what we ought to do when, when, when they got it? We ought to quit saying, well, how they got it. You don't know how they got it. If they got it in a crooked way, God will deal with it. But if they got it in a righteous way, the worst thing you could do is to find a righteous person as a crook. If you don't know how they got it, and unless you're looking at their records, you don't know. So you ought to just assume God's been good. 
I would rather see God at work than the devil at work. I would rather believe God is the greater one. I would rather believe God has a greater capacity to bless than the devil does to curse. And so why can't we choose to look and see God at work everywhere? Well, would you look at the car God gave her? Would you look at the house God gave him? I would just rather assume it was God. And then if the course of time it wasn't, that's between them and God. But I ain't going to call everyone a crook because then I limit myself. See God at work everywhere. I'd much rather see my Messiah busy in the lives of people. Would you look at what Jesus did for them? Isn't that, I got a preacher friend of mine. He says, I'm the only one he can call when he gets blessed. Because everyone else gets mad. I like, I like it when God blesses him because I'll tell him straight up and Cleve knows who I'm talking about. I'll say, listen, man, if God did that for you, there ain't no telling what God will do for me because you and I both know I'm better than you are. You'd have to know my friend. That's just our relationship is built on that. I'll tell him, you, and he'll say, yeah, you're more godly than I am. But I'm more blessed than you is. And I'll say, yeah, but not for long, buddy, because I'm catching up. You're on a scooter and I'm on a Harley. I'm going to blow right by you. But get it. Listen, rejoice with those who rejoice. And when somebody breaks free into the promised land, you ought to give God praise because you know what he did for one, he'll do for others. We ought not to be envious or jealous. Be happy. Because if God did it for them, you can say, I know I love the Lord as much as they do. Y'all following me? Hallelujah. So we need to strive to be free. I got to hurry up. Listen to this. There is no greater burden than liberty. No heavier load than independence. But no greater freedom, no greater honor than freedom. Today, what I want to do, I don't know if I'm going to get to do it because I'm looking at the clock. But what I want to do is, is share with you the, the difference in the mindset between the slave and the free man. God has called us to freedom, but every one of us start out as slaves. Every one of us have been enslaved by sin. Every one of us have been enslaved by what our ancestors did. Every one of us has been enslaved by the family we were born into. Thinking that I can only go as high as they did because that's all, that's the highest they ever got. Well, if we're in Christ, all those old things have passed away. And we can, through him, go right past the borders and the boundaries that hemmed them in. Right? You following me? So all of us have been enslaved. And all of us are either in or going through the wilderness of retraining our mind with the objective being the promised land that flows with milk and honey we, where we will live in houses we didn't have to labor to build and we'll drink of wells we didn't have to labor to dig and we'll eat of vineyards we didn't have to labor to plant from whose mountains we will dig gold. Amen? Hallelujah, Father. Listen to this. God can give you a new heart, but even God can't change your mind. Because in order for God to change your mind, he'd have to override your free will. We got to change our mind. If you've never read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, I'd highly recommend you read it. 
Because in the book, he does a masterful job of explaining that the primary difference, the foundational difference between the rich and the poor is not geographical. It's not even educational. And it's certainly not racial. The number one difference, the foundational difference between the rich and the poor is the mindset. Rich people don't think like poor people. And poor people have never been trained to think like... I wasn't raised to understand how money worked. That's the reason why when I first got a credit card, I maxed it out. I thought that's what you were supposed to do with it. And then I didn't understand why they started calling me wanting their money. I was like, dude, you gave me the card. I didn't ask for the card. You gave me the card. You maxed it out. Well, you set the credit limit. What was I supposed to do? No one taught me. My very first car, the bank president showed up at my house to take it back. I hid. I shut the door and hid because I knew what he was there for. He wasn't there to tell me I'm a good customer. He's like, give me the keys, bro. You ain't paying the car. Nobody ever taught me. So debt was a way of life. We got to retrain. Y'all following what I'm saying? See, slaves think one way. The free think another way. The wilderness is where God made that transformation. But the, object, the, the, the promise was not the wilderness. The promise was the land. Everyone say land. A land of prosperity and a land that you own. Are y'all here this morning? You've heard it said before, a fool and his money are soon parted. Did you know that's based on a Bible verse? Let me read it to you. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. We got to learn to think like free people. We must learn to think differently. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 teaches, listen to this, that transformation, the reshaping of our lives and our environments comes by the renewal of our mental conditioning. You got that? The, the, the transformation of ourselves and our environment. See, a lot of us, we want everything to change but us. You want a bigger house, but if you got the bigger house, pretty soon it would just be a bigger mess like your little house. Come. I'm saying, listen, many of us, the reason we don't have it is we ain't ready for it yet. Because God is a great parent. He knows you can't handle it. Wow. It's not that he doesn't want you to have it. But just like you don't give a loaded gun to a two-year-old. No, you don't give them the keys to the pickup when they're three. Right. It's not that you might even bought the pickup for them. I've known parents that have bought a vehicle for their children when their children were still children. Wow. But they don't give it to them until the day comes when they can handle it. Yeah. You and I got to understand it's not that God is withholding. It's that we ain't ready. He said he'd give him the promised land little by little. Why? Because if I give you the whole thing right now, the wild beasts are going to grow unmanageable. If you're not ready to work the field, I can't give you the field. If you're not ready to occupy the space, I can't give you the space. But when you're ready to occupy it, See, in the church, so many times we fight battles for land we're not even ready to occupy. Then when we get it, we soon lose it and we think God is unfaithful. 
No, it's not that God is unfaithful. It's that you fought a battle to get something you weren't yet ready for. Come on. In the Old Testament, when they finally called Joseph out of the prison, the Bible tells us that he shaved himself before he went into Pharaoh's presence. Because scholars will tell us that in ancient Egypt, royalty never had beards. Peasants had beards. And one of the ways you knew whether someone was a prisoner or a peasant is because they were unshaven. So when Joseph got called to a new position, he couldn't go into the new position with the old mindset. He said, if I'm getting called to go before Pharaoh, I got to look like I belong. I got to change my attire. I'm going to take a bath. I'm going to shave and I'm going to get ready. And I ain't going to talk in the palace like I talked in the street. Because when I go before the king, I'm going to act like I belong before a king. I'm going to act kingly. People say, well, you're just putting it on. No, I'm putting it on so I can put it on. So that win, it's gifted to me. I'm ready for it. Got to change my mind. Well, I wish God would do it. God wishes you would do it. Because he gave you all the words you need. He gave you Bible full of words, full of promises, that by these promises we become partakers of his divine nature. So that as we adhere those promises and assimilate those promises, we emerge out of the enslavement. We emerge out of the wilderness and we stand in the promised land and we act and look and talk like landowners. When we own it, we got a certain boldness we ain't got when we lease it. When it's ours, you want to break down the wall, break it, baby. It's yours. Y'all following me? See, some of us approach life like it's least. Well, I don't want to upset anything. I don't want to make any big changes. Well, what if the Lord's unhappy with it? What if that's exactly what the Lord wants you to do, break down some walls? What if he wants you to raise the ceiling so you can add some more stuff? What if he wants to so bless you, you can build a prophet's chamber onto your house so that when missionaries and, and prophets come through the land, you can say, listen, y'all, you don't got to stay at the Hilton. You come stay at my house because my house is built like a king's palace and I got a room and it's got a fridge and it's got a stove. It's got everything you need and you can stay there for free. Why? Because God has blessed me and I'm a free man. I can do whatever I want. Are y'all following me? See, freedom is good. I'm not as free as I'm going to be, but I'm a whole lot freer than I used to be. I used to, listen, it used to be if I stood up in front of people, I went silent because I was ashamed of who I was. I couldn't talk in front of people. I just couldn't. This is the reason why when God called me to preach, I thought you made a mistake. I can't talk in front of people. And then even when I started, I was afraid. What if they don't like me? What if I don't dress right? So you know what I did? I dressed like them. And when my wife and I would itinerate, I would usually have a multiple, I'd have different sets of clothes. Because, you know, there are some churches you go, you got to wear a tie. And if you don't wear a tie, you're unholy. And don't let it be a red tie that points straight down at hell. So I would travel with all these clothes and then I'd show up and say, do you want me to wear a tie or no tie? 
Because some of them, you know, if you showed, if, if you wore a tie, you were a legalist. If you didn't wear a tie, you were the devil. So I was just, I mean, I'd be like, what do you want me to wear? I got called out of churches before when I showed up without a tie. So I jumped in my car, I drove about 100 miles an hour back to the hotel, put on a tie and got back there before worship ended. And they thought I was something. I wasn't something, I was afraid. Then the day came when I was free to be me. I mean, literally, and this was a big step. When I finally realized, you know what? I'm going to dress the way I want to dress. I'm going to be comfortable so that when I go eat dinner after church, I'm not uncomfortable because my pants are too tight, my tie's too restricting, and I can't get no tomato sauce on this white shirt. I'd rather just be free. And some are going to applaud it and some are going to yell crucify, but that's okay. Because the grace of God is at work in my life. Much more than it was back when I lived in constant fear of people's approval. First time I preached without a tie, I was waiting for the lightning to strike. Still waiting, it ain't showing up. Okay, I need to keep going, let's go. I ain't going to finish this today. The enslaved don't think like the free. Listen to this. Slaves don't got to fight. Now, I'm going to say this again. I'm not talking about quality of life. I'm not talking about quality of life. But there are certain advantages to slavery. And some people like it. There's a whole generation that died in the wilderness because they refused to change their minds. And there are some people that no matter how much grace you preach to them, they will fight for their right to be miserable and enslaved. Whether it's in the church they attend, the job they have, or the relationships they adhere to. There will be some people that will live, and it has nothing to do with God loving them or not loving them. He loves them. But they will fight for their right to stay enslaved. And you and I would think that with the price of slavery being so high, nobody would want it, but we'd be, on, we'd be wrong. Slaves don't have to fight. Slaves never have to worry about unemployment. They got job security till they die. Come on. Listen, don't get mad at me. I stole this from Miles Monroe. Write Miles a letter. Slaves never have to worry about what they're going to wear. Their clothing is provided. Slaves never have to worry about where they're going to live. Their housing is provided. They have security. But the price of their security is their liberty. And whenever anyone surrenders liberty for security, hear me, America, anytime somebody surrenders their liberty for security, they will always end up with tyranny. Always. Because the one who's providing the stuff of life is using your life for their benefit. So slaves have security. The price is horrible, but they have security. And listen, listen to this. Exodus chapter 14, put this up on the screen. Because this will help you understand why some people, when you share the good news of what Jesus wants in their life, they'll argue with you. When you try to tell them that, you know, there are some people, you tell them about Jesus as the healer and they will argue with you. And they always go to one 
verse and they take it out of context. That when Paul prayed for that angelic visitor to be removed, they'll say, God said no. And I've taken them to that portion. I said, show me where God says no. Can you find no in there? Well, let's look in the Greek. Is it in there? No. Hebrew? No. Latin? No. Aramaic? No. How about German? No. God never said no. He said, I'm going to give you something even greater than deliverance. I'm going to give you grace. And now that you understand grace, you'll never again need to pray about deliverance from this because my grace in every situation is greater than whatever weapon the devil throws at you. And so what you really need to know is grace because if I just deliver you from this situation and I don't give you grace, there'll just be another vexation later. But once I give you grace, Paul, I ain't telling you no, I'm telling you there's a better way. And you'll notice, you Bible scholars, that when you read all of the writings of Paul, he never again talked about needing to be delivered from the devil. Because he got a revelation of grace. Exodus chapter 14, verse 11. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Listen to this. Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Moses, we had job security. We had somewhere to live. There's no graves out here. Did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Verse 12, listen to this. Is this not the word we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, leave us alone? Leave us alone. Now, is this okay? Listen, these are the very people that for 400 years had cried out. God said, I hear they're crying. The whole reason why he was sending Moses is because he made a promise and he heard the cries. So for 400 years, they cried out. You can probably hear them singing the songs. We'll be free someday, someday. We'll be free someday. And God said, okay, I hear it. I'm going to send you a deliverer. When the deliverer comes, they say, leave us alone. Is this not what we told you while we were still in the security of bondage? While we were still in Egypt, Moses, we just said, leave us alone. Hmm. Why? That we may serve the Egyptians. Hmm. I hate my job, but I'm not going to risk leaving it. I know my church ain't preaching me grace, but I don't want to risk leaving it. Just leave me alone. I ain't happy, but at least I ain't dead. It's easier to exist as a slave than to live as a free man. But God did not call us to slavery. You've heard me say it before. Is this okay? Can I? The reason why no people ever enslaved by another people have not eventually found the courage to rebel. Because man was not created by their God for slavery. So even though you may beat a people eventually and inevitably, they will rebel. 
Because every man, every woman, every boy, every girl who bears the image of God, and that's all of humanity, they will always rebel against the bondage, against the slavery. Because even if it takes 400 years to awaken within them, there will come a generation that will realize God did not create us for this. God did not create us to live on leeks and onions. God did not create us to bear the whips of masters. God did not create me to hate my life. God created me for more than this. And when the realization comes that in my father's house, even the servants have it better than this, then we will rise up like the prodigal son and we will make our way home. And we'll say, Father, forgive us for we have sinned and we have been in unbelief. I want to be free. And within each and every one of us, is a desire for freedom. The problem is they told you you could never be free. They told you you could only go so far and not any further. They told you you could only have so much and no more. They told you you could only have this much impact and no further. They were wrong. They were wrong. God and God alone is right. And God never set a limitation on it. God never set a limitation. I want to say that again. Now, some people get upset by the number of cars you have. Where is it written? Thou shall only have two. Well, pastor, it ain't all about cars. Did I say it was? I'm just saying it's not. We, we trip over little things. Well, I've, I've heard him say nobody needs more than three houses. But what if you want to give away four? Yeah, you follow me. Yeah. Well, you don't need that much, but you do if you want to bless. Yes. You're not going to build an orphanage in Sierra Leone for five bucks. Come on. Come on. Right. Amen. Amen. Or oh me. Amen. But it's true. Yes, sir. Free men can do things slaves would never even dream of. Dream slaves never see opportunities. All slaves ever see is impossibilities. That's all they ever see. Because they have labor and they have toil, but they have no opportunities. You and I need to change our mind. Quit seeing life as filled with impossibilities. Why not change our minds? Why not just do this one little thing? Change your mind. Why not see life as filled with opportunities? Why not see increase all the way around you? Why not see God at work? Why not see the blessing? Wow. Why not? Who are you trying to please? Your neighbor? They didn't die for you. Your preacher? He didn't die for you. Why not please the one that hung on a cross? That you might have... That you might have... And not just life, abundant life. And that word life there is not bios, meaning animalistic life. It's zoe. He said, I have come that you might have zoe. But what is that? That's the God kind of life. That the God kind of life flows through you and it's in you. So in order for you to be bound, he's got to be bound. 
in order for you to have limitations. He's got to have limitations. And in order for someone to be able to stop you, they got to have the power to stop him. This is the whole, is this okay? The whole reason why no weapon can work against you is because, y'all listening to me, there ain't never been, ain't a never gonna be, and isn't now a weapon that can work against him. And until they come up with a weapon that can stop God, they ought never to be able to have a weapon that stops God's people. That's the reason why we keep moving on and marching on and taking new land and experiencing even greater levels of freedom. And we divorce ourselves from all of those mindsets. Never let yourself say, well, I'm just a sinner. Say, well, pastor, you got to understand I'm this and I'm that. My word to you is false identity. Because if you're in Christ, you ain't that no more. If you're in Christ, then that's the key. Are you in him? Raise your hands if you're in him. If you're in him, there's no such thing as an impossibility to you. Let God... Be the teller of truth, even if every man on the planet tells a lie. Give me two more minutes. I ain't going to finish. I ain't going to finish. We're going to keep reading, though. He said, it would have leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the retraining process. Then let's go to Numbers chapter 11. I want to look at the last part of verse 4 and then read verse 5. This is what they said, and this is where we'll stop, though I'm not done. Boy, there's some good things in here. Ooh. Shabbat, that's good. Ooh, that's good too. Boy, if I were you, I'd show up next week. Listen to this. This is what they said. The sons of Israel wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? That's the battle cry of the slave. Who will give us? Who will give us? I want to say it again. That's the cry of the slave. Well, if you take away my government cheese... Who'll give us? If you take away, can I, can I meddle? If you take away my welfare check, who'll give us? Who'll give us meat to eat? Verse 5. We remember the fish. Mm-mm-mm. Which we used to eat free in Egypt. Wait, wait, there was a price attached to that, bro. <laughs> I remember one time I was in Russia. And they, were, they had been trained to believe that the communist Russia was greater than America. And I had this, I was the first American this one man had ever met. And he had grown up as a soldier. He had been all the things. He was 
fully full-blown communist. And he told me something. He said, in Russia, we have never paid taxes. I said, no, dude, because they took everything. They took everything and they gave you out a doll. A car made of cardboard. And I joke not. That's what the cars were made of. That's why when there was a spark, y'all had them in eastern Germany. You had them in Romania. If it sparked, the car would burn because it was made of cardboard. Paper shoes. But we've never paid taxes. We ate fish for free. But you paid for it with your life. Be careful about going back to the past because you think it was so bright. No, sir. Cast your eyes on the future and look straight ahead. Look neither to the left nor to the right, but keep your eyes on him and your future will be bright. We remember the fish we used to eat free in Egypt, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions. They resisted their deliverer because they had grown accustomed to slavery. Stand to your feet. I want us to make a vow together. There are some things in our lives we can't change. He can, but we can't. But there is one thing that every one of us can change. We can change our mindset. We can change the way we think about things. Maybe right now you can't change where you work. Don't worry about that. Maybe right now you can't change your vocation. Don't worry about that. Because no matter what, where we got to change our mind first anyhow. Because, see, your deliverance was won at the cross. Come on. But your freedom is won on the battlefield of the mind. Yeah. 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 we got to change our mind. Yes. The most pitiful saint, I shared this with you last week, the most pitied saint on the planet is the one who's been set free by Christ but still thinks they're enslaved by life. You and I are free. And so here's the appeal that I want to make to you. Let's just make a vow to not resist our deliverer. Right? Let's, Let's not be like those people of old who sing songs about freedom. And then when the deliverer comes, we fight for our right to be enslaved. No, when, when the deliverance comes and you want to know how you... You want to know what your deliverer looks like? The Word. Because when we cry in our distress, He sends us the Word. So when the Word comes, and you know what you've heard this morning? The Word. So your deliverance is here this morning. Your deliverance is here. One greater than Moses is standing in your midst. And he's offering to you freedom. Freedom from the past. Freedom from them. Freedom from all of the labels 
Freedom from the pain. Freedom from disease. Freedom from poverty. Complete freedom. So when he comes, let's not say, no, 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 no. Leave us alone. Life may not be grand, but at least I ain't dead. No. Waiting for death is no way to go through life. I, I, death ought to be seen as a hindrance. <laughs> when death comes, we ought to be so busy living, we're like, no, dude, you got to wait a little while longer. I got one more song to sing. I got one more business to build. I got one more person to bless. Death, you're going to wait a little while. And death is going to say, dude, you're 120. How much more time you need? And you're going to say, I want one more day. And then if tomorrow I ain't satisfied, I'm going to want one more day after that. Hands lifted. Hearts open. Say this together, Father. My deliverance has come through the blood of your Son. I receive his words that build freedom in my life. I will not resist you. I will never tell you to leave me alone so that I can serve another. I'm your servant. I love people, but I serve only you. I thank you, Father that your word delivers me and brings freedom into my life step by step level by level I'm a free man in Jesus name give the Lord a hand clap of praise hallelujah father don't leave yet because we have the lovely Jalisa coming How is everyone? Great. I'm doing good, as you say. But our uh, lovely, um, actually, you may be seated. Our uh, lovely children's ministry has gifts for the mothers, and they are going to distribute those gifts. And they look so adorable back there. <laughs> <laughs>